Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Hello, welcome back uh, to Snacks with Stein. It feels like it's been a, a long time. Um, we we took a hiatus that was very needed uh, for our mental health and for our schedules because when we bring you episodes, we want to bring you good episodes. We want to be happy to be here. And we are. Like, we can safely say that we still enjoy our hobby. Danielle and I still enjoy going through these old books and catching up and all the things. So thanks for thanks for being patient with us during this holiday season we are we will never leave you you know this is this is something we do for fun and we enjoy it so thanks for being patient danielle what's going on it's 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 so good to catch up i know it's been a long time i know and yes i want to reiterate and we all appreciate your we all like there's a lot of us the royal we it's the royal we the royal we Mm -hmm. yes me and my dogs appreciate your patience yes and yeah, we want we want to come into the new year like reinvigorated and like yeah, that's what we try to do. Get excited about, you know, the show and things and all that fun stuff. So we appreciate your patience as we took a break for our brain cuz we needed <laughs> we needed it. Um but other than that, what's going on? Nothing. Christmas, Palooza is going on. Okay. So yeah, if you if you if you celebrate the holidays, I'm sure you know the stress that that is. So, like, there's always something going on, and there's always like something to buy and do mm-hmm. and go. So that's kind of where we've been since Thanksgiving, I guess. Yeah, since Thanksgiving, it's like nonstop. So, and we had a little Disney trip, so that was super fun. Woot woot. Got to do our Christmas Disney, so that always makes us happy. Um, oh. But yeah, we I watched Wednesday, like the cool kids. Hey, don't say anything because I've been waiting. Okay, we're not. Natalie, Natalie got a D in English, so she's been grounded, and we, she wants to watch it with me. So she the, the the grade has she just my kids every like quarter they go through about a week where they're like fuck school and they stop turning stuff in. <laughs> It's not that they don't do it, it's just that they don't turn it in. So then I spend two weeks, oh. like, on top of them to just turn their crap in. Yeah. And then the grade comes <laughs> up and we're not grounded anymore. So she's ungrounded yeah. for the holiday and we that is something we're going to watch together. Okay. That'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. Wednesday is super cute. I so was, I was the judgmental Judgerson. I was yeah. the judgy Judgerson. But I enjoyed it, and I will acquiesce and be like, I was wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched Wednesday, watched some other stuff, just catching up on everything. Willow on Disney+, Plus. I've been watching that. That's super okay. fun. Don't let the haters deter you from watching Willow, anyone who cares I'm, that's listening. I That is a movie that is so close to me. I Oh, yes. Some of my my earliest memories of like going to the movie theater with my mom, and I think my brothers and sisters went that time too. We went to see Willow, and I am a yeah. I am a child of the '80s 
fantasy genre. Oh yeah. Like Me I too. adored Willow and Labyrinth mm-hmm. and anything that was like a big feature fantasy <laughs> film. So yes. I'm I'm concerned. Yes. As as someone who also is a super like super fan of Willow, which there are very there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> As a Willow super fan, dozens. Um, Is it perfect? No. Is Willow himself perfect? Yes. Is the show perfect? No. But do not let the stupid haters who are bombing it right now with bad reviews because they're sexist take take you out of it. Because it is a female heavy cast, but oh well. That Shut makes up. sense to me, though, because we had Sorsha. We had a female villain mm-hmm. that was very strong. Exactly. Uh, we had exactly. Uh, the female baby, the princess that we were protecting the whole Allura time. Allura Dan. The, and, the, yep. mm-hmm. the fairy queen that he goes to see in the woods that gives him the yep. wand of Pout Sherlindia. So, like, yep. I don't know why that's a surprise. Yes. So, but all these stupid dudes, as the world does... They're review bombing the show and saying it's garbage because there's not a male lead. And it's like, too bad. So sad. I don't care. So Warwick Davis isn't enough of a male lead for you? Oh, yeah. He's fine. There is a, there is a guy, there's a cup, there is a guy. There's two guys in the, in the touring, in the party, you know, and they are interesting and I enjoy them. You know, it's like, just get over it. But I'm enjoying the show. Is the writing perfect? No. There are some weird... You know, there are some weird things they did, but to bring anybody, to bring you back to that, the world is still really cool and interesting and the sets are really cool and interesting and it's building now. Like the first two episodes, I was kind of like, okay, where's this going? And now it's, we're at four now and it's building and now I'm like, okay, I really want to see where it's going and what happens. So definitely give it a chance for sure, just because it brings you back to that world and Warwick is so perfect. And there, I really like some of the characters in it. And I love sword and sorcery. So I will watch anything, you know, even if it's bad, <laughs> I will give it a try, you know, when it, when we have, when we can. So yeah, but that's what we've been doing is just binging stuff and catching up and wrapping never ending presents. <laughs> can, can, I, can I make a nerdy confession? Yes. When I discovered I was having a girl the second time around, I very much seriously toyed with the idea of naming that child Elora. E-L-O-R-A-H. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? Do it now. Just change. I'm just kidding. <laughs> because part of... What's the next dog's name? I wanted my <laughs> child to have a, a name that people could spell and pronounce. Oh... Uh... Okay. My mom's friend, though, so my mom's friend actually did name her daughter Alora. It's not spelled like it is in the movie. It's spelled easier to pronounce, but she did do it with the intent of the movie, just made it easier to say. With yeah. they, did, they did it very literal, Alora, you know? Yeah. But they named it after, she is named after the movie. It's a pretty name, but yeah, you, you do get stuck with the, how do you say your name? Because people don't even know how to say Danielle. So yeah. you'd really be screwed. You'd really be screwed. Yeah. But next dog, the next dog is getting that name. Yes, sure. agree. Thousand percent. <laughs> the next Corgi we get. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure we're a Corgi family. Yeah. 
From oh, here on out. the Corgi family now. <laughs> they are just the best, okay? I had doodles. They're wonderful. The last two dogs I had, I had a, a Labradoodle and then I had a Golden Doodle, and I really love them. My dog Luna, she is a German Shepherd mix, and she's just this, like mm-hmm. the biggest, sweetest, like very protective, like nobody's coming in my house. Yes. Uh, amazing dog. But I gotta tell you, this little Corgi, she hits different. <laughs> it is. They hit different. A, it's mm-hmm. a different thing. They're just fluffy little babies. <laughs> Love it. So yes, next dog, next corgi will be named Alora. We're Laura. putting it out in the universe. Agree. Right Agree. <laughs> okay. Do you have snacks or did you just eat dinner? I did just eat dinner, but I have a chocolate bar to have for later. And it's a Tony's Chocoloni caramel Ooh. and sea salt chocolate bar. And I have... Very festive, sparkling water in my Disneyland Christmas cup. Oh, I love it. You are in the in the zone. Well, mm-hmm. we are recording kind of late tonight, so I feel like this is almost stolen time for Danielle I and I because it is crazy. Um, if everything goes well, we will have this out by Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Ooh. For the season to be festive, if you follow our Facebook page or our Twitter You already know, tonight, we are going back to Fear Street. Not only are we going back to Fear Street, we're going to revisit our very first episode. Wow. Because tonight, we're going to be covering Silent Night 2. The bitch is back. I didn't even know there was a sign. (laughs) There's a three. There's a three, and I'm not sure if there's a four. But I know for okay, sure well, there's a three. Christmas, we'll be covering part three. <laughs> right? Yes. So it's not really subtitled The Bitch is Back, but, you know, it should be, right? For those of you who are unaware, we did cover Silent Night as our very first episode of Snacks with Stein in 2019. Amazing. It doesn't seem like it's oh been that long. Oh, No. <laughs> I know. I know, but it has. It has. We started the show uh, before the plague. Wow. Another time, right? So, yeah. In the before times. Yes, in the before times. And even (laughs) though you guys can certainly go back and listen to episode one to get kind of refreshed on the story, which we definitely would recommend that you do, I will provide an Olaf-style recap. You're welcome. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, a side note. If you're listening to this and you have not watched Olaf Presents, do it right now like right now and then come back because it is <laughs> the funniest thing in the whole world yes okay so this is the an old off style recap of episode one yes <laughs> it's christmas reva is rich and mean to everyone including her rapey ex-boyfriend her dad owns the town department store and everyone but her poor cousin pam works there Reva sexually harasses employees who have girlfriends and shows up late to work. Reva gets threats, mean notes, and someone kills a dude in the department store. Pam and friend make the shittiest attempt at a robbery possible. Santa is a ginger-haired boyfriend to Pam, and he gets arrested. (laughs) 
the drunken security guard is the killer and he gets impaled on a Christmas tree. Reva promises to try and not be a raving twat waffle next year. The end. Merry Christmas. Love it. Thank you, uh, you're welcome. And just for your personal knowledge, as I was um, spell checking my script, I had to add the word twat waffle to the dictionary. <laughs> I was confused. So here we go. Ready? Book two. <clears throat> now, I got the e version of the book because I knew I wouldn't have time to get a physical copy in time to record this episode. I think the digital copy was like, I don't know, seven bucks or something. But for some seven reason, bucks. yeah, it's on Barnes and Noble. Um, mm. It's it's not giving me a different cover than book one, like kind of lazy Barnes and Noble. So I had to Google it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. So the but the original cover art is pretty funny. Like it's. Santa Claus or someone dressed as Santa Claus and they're kind of like standing behind Reva with their hand over her mouth and he's making that like that Skeet Ulrich and scream that like squinty eyed aggressive face right oh yeah and the tagline reads jingle bells Santa kills dun dun Okay, so I'm just going to say, and I wrote this now, and I was so correct. I really don't have high hopes for this one in the sense of it being, like, good and scary. I I never read it, uh, so we'll all go down this rabbit hole together. But at the very least, you know, it should be good, like, rinsing and holiday fun. So here we go. Copyright is 1993 by Parachute Press. This book opens with Paul. Paul is driving through Wayne's Bridge, which is the college town in all the Fear Street books. Paul is kind of like Debbie Downer right now. He's, he's driving through this beautiful college town, which is, you know, renowned for its lavish Christmas decorations, right? This little town goes all out every year. So he's driving down yeah. kind of like the main drag and he's just like stewing, right? About how much his life sucks. There's... <laughs> snow on the ground and there's lights on every building and there is even a full Christmas tree on every street corner and all Paul can do is think about how he hasn't seen his parents since two years ago when he was 16 and dropped out of Waynesbridge High he is disgusted by the sound of jingle bells on the radio and happy families crossing the street in front of him to get to the toy store he finally pulls up to the curb in front of his shitty apartment and makes his way up the middle stairs. His girlfriend, Diane, is inside. Paul is grumpy and snappy because it seems that he has been out job hunting and he has not been successful. Well, at least all the jobs that he's applied to. Apparently, he is too good to deliver groceries and won't even consider that job. 
So he's pissed about the prospect of, you know, having to like be poor for longer, having to do a job he doesn't want to do. So Diane tries to cheer him up. She tries to tell him to give her his best sneer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I guess Paul looks a little bit like Elvis Presley. (laughs) Oh, God. And he does this like Elvis sneer thing that she thinks is like really hot. And um, in fact, her nickname for him is Press. Didn't we have a weird boyfriend nickname in the first book? What was the ginger's nickname? Do you remember the boyfriend? Was oh, it like gosh. Cubby? It was or... uh, I feel like it had an E sound. But re- that was like the big reveal, right? Because they were referring to him wow. as like two different names. Oh, I forget the boyfriend's nickname. I have to look it up. In the first book? In the first one. It's okay. It'll come to us. It'll come to us. But it's something stupid. It was Pam's Pam's boyfriend. (laughs) Any hoodles. Something stupid. (laughs) It was something dumb. It really was. Uh, It was like. I'm looking it up. I have to. Because it's going to bug me forever. Oh. I want to say it was like chubby or. Or something really stupid. Pam's boyfriend with a stupid nickname. But that's literally a thing in here. And it doesn't say, oh, my God. I think you're close with chubby, though. Because they're like a real chub. And I'm like, uh, that sounds weird. Yeah, it's like it's either it either has the E sound or it's like a single syllable. Maybe it's like cubby. Maybe. Everybody's screaming at us right now. Um, okay, now they're talking about part, now they're talking about part two, and I'm like, that's not the one I wanted to look up. How hmm. weird! It's only even Google only wants to show me part two. Oh, Google. Anyway, okay. I'm so sorry. Well, let ones. us know uh, if you know because you're probably uh-huh. screaming it at us right now. Um, but anyway, so this this boyfriend's <laughs> nickname is Press. And going forward, uh, oh, the book refers God. to him as Press. So Paul That's is no more. Only Press That's... lives. I hate it. Same. No. He's doing his his I snarl. Snarling at her in a sexy way. Okay, Danielle? <laughs> on board. You wait, no. Yes. Not on board. Yeah, it's only cool I when you're playing guitar like and it. hyped up on amphetamines. <laughs> But Diane and Paul have been together for like three years, okay? They're a long-term high school couple. Paul is dark-complected. He looks like Elvis. Diane is this like... God bless you, Stein. (laughs) Uh, She's like this skinny blonde with dark roots. She has nice eyes, but she has very buck teeth. And that's... How she is described. She's a dark-rooted rabbit with Elvis, and he's snarling at her. <laughs> both been job hunting. They both come back with nothing. Diane suggests yeah, they could just go arm, like rob an armored truck, right? Like she has these. I'm sorry. 
Go ahead. I found the nickname. What is it? Foxy. Foxy, that's right. Dun, dun, dun. Which is so dun, dun, Foxy. <laughs> oh my god. It's even worse than I remember. You know yoga. Okay. Cute little harbor. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Okay, Foxy. All right, so we had Foxy in the first book. We got Prez in this one. Point is, they've been together a long time. They're poor as fuck. They don't have a job. And Diane has these, like, wild fantasies about the two of them being, like, mastermind criminals. Like, Bonnie and Clyde. Like, she's always coming up with these things about, well, why don't we just go rob this thing? Or why don't we just go run this scam or whatever? And apparently, like, Paul is also on board. Like, at some point, he's dipped a toe into this, like, thievery life. You see, he used to steal really nice items from the stockroom at Dalby's department store, uh, like, two years ago when he used to work there, right? Specifically, the leather jacket he was currently wearing, he stole that. He stole things like a portable TV. I'm, I'm assuming it was a Watchman, right? Look it up. Watchmen's were a thing. Yes. All that came to an end when he was caught stealing and he was fired by Mr. Dalby from the department store. So Diane asks if Press went by Dalby's house like she asked. So basically, here's the deal. These two are broke. They're bored. They want their lives to be like a movie. They want to be big time criminals with big time money. So they have been making this plan to get back at Dalby for firing Paul. They are gonna break into his house. They're gonna steal some good shit and sell it. And then they're gonna have like a super Merry Christmas with like turkey and all kinds of shit, right? But as they're talking through how easy it would be to get past the one guard dog at Dalby's place, Paul gets an idea, an awful idea. Paul gets an awful, grinchy idea. <laughs> I was going to say, are you going for the Grinch there? Why steal valuables from the house when they can just take his daughter, Breva? See, Dalby oh. would pay millions, millions to get her back. Just think of it. They could be millionaires for Christmas. They just had to kidnap Reva Dalby. And then there's a fade out. So I'm going to stop right here and just let everybody know this is not a scary book. Like in no way, shape or form is this a scary <laughs> book. This is the first time that we will be covering Fear Street as comedy because that is how it is written. That is absolutely a comedy of errors and you should get your mind there. Just letting you know. It's been a year since we last saw Reva, right? And it's safe to say that she's a little bit traumatized from her whole ordeal in the department store. She's standing behind the counter and she's kind of like zoned out. She's reliving that security guard falling from the top floor of the store onto a Christmas tree below and getting zapped repeatedly with festive lights in every color. Customers are trying to get her attention, but like I said, she's zoned out. It's the Silent Night song that triggers her that's playing on the store 
the same one that was playing when the security guard died. Do you remember that part? I do remember the song, yeah. Right, so remember, um, Dalby's is like a, I don't know, 10 floor department store on the main yes, drag like, of Shadyside. It was like my dream department store. Remember we talked about Mannequin? Because yes. remember we were like, remember the giant department store in Mannequin and how amazing it is? And I'm like, yes. where the hell were those department stores in my town? Because we had a Sears and a Mervyn's and they were not that cool. Montgomery so. Ward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, I guess the coolest I mean, even even downtown San Francisco, like, I guess the Emporium was probably the closest thing to a Dalby's, you know, like a really big storied place. But mm-hmm. like, we never got to go there as kids because it was like expensive. So yeah. it was like, our parents were like, look, there it is. And we get to, so like, side note, but it's about a mall. And it's a Christmas thing. But at the Emporium at Christmas, us poor children would get to go there one time a year because they had a Santa experience. And what it was is at the very tippy top floor, I forget how many floors it is, the very top, they did a whole Santa, like it was awesome. It was like around the world Santas. So you basically like got to learn. They were kind of creepy mannequins now that you think about it, but they were all these different Santas from all around the world. So like different traditions stuff. And that was the first time I ever saw a Krampus. So I was like on the Krampus train, like as a child. And he was like the scary Santa at the end. Like he wasn't a demon, like like he looks like, but he was a Santa like dressed in all black and had like, was very scary looking. And he was like the bad one. And then at the after you did that little thing, you got to go and take your picture with the real Santa and like this big, huge room and he had this big chair and it was so cool. And he, and he actually gave you a toy. Like they gave out like, you know, cheapo little toys, like a book or yeah. like a little baby doll or something, but everybody got a toy. And then you got to go on the roof and they had a Ferris wheel and games what? and like carnival food. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's what I like. I, if I could like go back and relive that with like a full like adult brain, I would be so happy because I only have like little memories of it because we were like, you know, six and up. Yeah. So I don't have like full, full memories. I have like, you know, flashes of memory, but I'm like, it was like the best. And that's where we always would go and get our picture with Santa was at the Emporium because it was like the fancy, you know. <laughs> the fancy one so the poor kids got to go <laughs> to the airport that's amazing how do you even get a, a ferris wheel to a roof i have no clue i remember riding a ferris wheel with my cousin multiple times and there was like other little rides and like not too many rides mostly like carnival games and stuff and then the big yeah. the ferris wheel was like the big the big ride but yeah mm-hmm. i think you're gonna like how but this yeah. one ends Okay. I think you're going to like it. Uh, But before we go on, I want to ask you real quick. So we, it's been a year. Do you think Riva has changed? Because they're supposed to be like how old again? Um, She's like 17, 18. Like she's, she's getting there. No, you're still a butt. Okay. You, you, You are. I think, I think you need more time. 
<laughs> well, you're correct. She is still a bitch. <laughs> she won't help customers. She calls them poor. She tells them to, you know, head for the stairs to the bargain basement if she thinks they're not dressed well enough. Um, Mrs. Smith <laughs> is still running the cosmetics department, and she still hates Reba. Um, okay, the feeling I remember is, they hated each other. Yeah, the feeling's mutual. And honestly, Reva is trying to get kicked out of the store. She did not want to come back to help for Christmas this season, but her dad kind of made her. He said it would be good for her, but, you know, she's definitely not happy. Like, she's taking it out on everyone. Seems nastier in this book. Like, at some point, she, like, is yelling at some, like, random people that they should eat a salad once in a while. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's it's a little sharper. Um, it's a shift, right? I mean, she was she was kind of a she was a cruel bitch in the first book. Um, but I don't remember her being like the school bully to the customers, mm-hmm. at least in yeah. the store. So she's still laughing from that last insult when she spies Kyle Storer walking her way. I don't think that Kyle is hot, but I think that Kyle thinks that Kyle is hot. Um, also, he's into Western wear, like full he's on into sh- Western wear, full on checkered shirt and string tie. Um, but Kyle's been hitting on Reba since the start of the season, and I guess Kyle cannot take a hint. So she gets frustrated and, like, verbally and physically throws cold water on him. Specifically the front of his pants so that he looks like he has an accident. He tries to play cool, but, you know, he's embarrassed. He just tells her, you know, later and he fucks off somewhere in the store. When the other girl that works at the perfume counter arrives, Reva immediately takes her break. Even though her shift just started. She walks back into the stocking department and she runs into Pam. You remember Pam, our poor cousin from the first book? You know, the one who tried to rob mm-hmm. the department store without any loot bags and then couldn't remember where she parked the getaway car? <laughs> that Pam. <laughs> Pam lives on Fear Street and her mom has been laid off for most of the year. So Pam is very lucky to have a job in the stationery department of Dalby's to help pay the family bills. Oh my god, do you remember when stores had a stationery department? Yep. That was like the dream. They used to have a wrapping station. Do they still have a wrapping station? I know. No. You could take uh, anything you bought, you could take it over there, and they would perfectly box it and wrap it and make it beautiful. Nope. I don't even think like Macy's offers, maybe they offer gift wrap just one time a year. Maybe, but I don't even think so. So Reva goes over to talk to Pam, but it's not Pam that catches Reva's attention. It is the total babe that Pam is talking to. Tall, short, dark ponytail, broad, tanned forehead, Danielle. Wait, did you did you say ponytail? I sure did. <laughs> no. The word babe and ponytail don't oh, I, belong I'm sorry. in this. Did you gloss over his tanned 
forehead, Danielle? Because Stan makes a really big, like, he makes a point about talking about his tan fucking forehead and ponytail. Well, okay. <laughs> he also has dark, intense eyes. Um, so, you know, we know Reva. It's game on. She likes a tan forehead. Reva heads over there to say hi to Pam, not even bothering to look at her because she's too busy eye-fucking this new dude. Um, just eye-fucking his forehead. Yes. That's it. She's like just talking to Pam, staring at the forehead. Pam introduces the boy as Victor. Victor's not a name you hear anymore. Mm. Do you know any Victor's? I like the name Victor. You know what's funny? I want to say that my cousin, because their grandpa was a Victor. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure when she had her first baby, he is his middle name is Victor, I think. I think he's Sebastian Victor, I want to say. I like so Victor, but my first husband's name is Sebastian, so he can fuck right up. And I love the name Sebastian. <laughs> Pass. Trust me. Um, oh, no. Victor it's hard also, when you have a memory attached to a name. See, that's the weird thing. And I've tried to explain this to some of my girlfriends. Like, I was married. I was with Sebastian for three years, two years, two years before mm-hmm. we got married. And then we were only married like a year or so. But mm-hmm. I have trouble remembering that time. Like, I don't know if my mind is protecting me. From that experience, but like mm-hmm. if I try to like recall specifics um, uh-huh. or details, it's truly difficult. I have that too. I honestly like this is like going to be a too deep of a conversation, but like I have you know I have diagnosed depression. Like I take medication. It's you know in my chart. Yes, I have clinical depression. And when I was first seeing a therapist, and before I had all my diagnoses figured out, whatever was first, you know, you know, she would, you know, talk to me about stuff and I would explain to her, I'd be like, look, lady, from this age to this age is gone. Like, it's just gone. Yeah. It's like, like it never my, happened. My 20s, my 20s are fucking gone. Like from yeah. 21 to 28, <laughs> gone. And she's like, yep. that happens when you have depression. It's, it's depression fog and it is depression memory loss and it's a real thing. And I'm not saying you have that, but it could, you know, if there was like any trauma or like oh, anything like possible. that surrounding yeah. it. Yeah, it know, was a traumatic experience. You, def- you definitely have depression, memory loss. And like, because like I have, a, I, I still talk to one of my exes after many, many years, a high school ex. And, you know, we all got over ourselves and became loose, you know, somewhat loose friends and we're good, you know, many, many years later. And he'll tell me, oh, remember this? And I'm like, dude, no. Like I don't remember our relation. I don't remember our relationship. I don't remember our friends. I don't remember anything. It is like I had a coma and I woke up. Like there's like it's gone. So it's I remember blips. Like oh yeah. Or if someone tells me that, I'll start thinking. Oh okay, I do remember that experience. But like it doesn't just live there. And it's she told me it's totally depression. It's depression memory loss. I'm like like I can sometimes remember like things that like if we went places with friends. Like, I can remember the interactions that I had with those friends, but I can't remember interactions specifically with him. Yeah, Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's weird. 
Yeah, it's super weird. Brains are weird. Super mm-hmm. weird. So, well, this guy's name is Victor. Um, Victor also works in the store. He works in the stock room. He's perfectly charming. He's completely unknowing about Reva and her workplace harassment ways. So none the wiser, he heads off to get some actual, you know, work done. And Pam tells Reva that she and Victor have only been dating for a few weeks, but she feels like what they have is real. (laughs) Reva does like the 90s equivalent of I love that for you. Um, (laughs) And then she just shows Pam her freshly painted nails and, uh, you know, makes small talk or whatever and then pam picks up the letter opener and stabs reva with it it's a joke because it's a retractable blade it's like the biggest selling thing in the stationary department and pam's laughing ha 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 isn't that funny and not crazy at all um that's the number one selling thing in the stationary department is everyone a murderer that comes into the stationary department? Because it's just, like, it's just a stupid book. Um, it's very stupid. Yeah, like why, some of these why things, is everyone buying like a retractable blade thing? Like, like what? I don't like. So I've been listening to a lot of my dad read a porno, and like the the characters in like in the porno, like they don't speak like normal people and i feel like that's what's happening here (laughs) like like the things that people say to each other it's like no one would ever say that but okay (laughs) after work reva takes the elevator to the sixth floor department store where all the office and admin stuff is located including her father's office and everything up there is like early 90s dirtbag yuppie businessman decor right it's like white carpet and leather and fake plants and gold accents. She's walked by the balcony where the security guard fell and she's had like kind of a flashback moment before she moves on to her dad's office. Mr. Dalby asks how it's going and Reva complains. She doesn't want to work in the store this Christmas, dad. She just wants to rest. You know, after all, her younger brother, Michael, got invited to St. Croix with some of his friends, but Reva didn't. So he's on a beach and she's stuck behind the perfume counter again. And dad tells her, you know, buck up. Working in the store, it'll be really good for her. And then he offers to take her on a beach vacation in February if she'll just go along and work the holiday break and not complain. And of course, she happily agrees. She promises to finish the season. But, you know, no promises about being nice to customers. (laughs) Dad, oddly, seems happy about that, you know, but he's got to work late. So Reva heads to the employee elevators on her own to head home. Dad stops her at the last minute saying not to use those elevators because he's been having problems with them. He's He's got to get someone out to get them fixed. I guess the elevator doors are opening when the elevator is not there. Super dangerous. Oh, it's just like a hole, like, just like the right. shaft of the elevator? Yeah, he's okay. like, don't use, no one's allowed to use these until we get these figured out. So she takes the stairs and she heads through the now closed department store. Christmas music is still playing over the PA and the cleaning crew is in full reset mode to get the store pristine for the next day. 
But even the cleaning crew there doesn't seem to put Reva at ease because department stores at night are creepy. The, the air is they still are. and the mannequins, they seem to follow her every step. And it's just, it's weird to see this space without people in it. She zips up her coat, she heads outside. And I guess the store is set up with a parking lot in the back, right? Like maybe the storefront is on the main street where there's not a lot of parking because you have to go to the parking lot that's in the back of the store. So you kind of have to like go around the building and down a long alleyway. And it's a great place for an unarmed girl to be at night. So she's moving down the alley, her blue Doc Martens making thundering echoes off the sounds of the alley wall. She's about halfway when she hears footsteps behind her and they seem to be getting closer and quicker. Without bothering to look behind her, she takes off running, right? If she can just make it to her car, she'll be safe. I mean, who would be chasing her? So she runs into the parking lot and heads over to her car. She, she glances over her shoulder in time to recognize some admin and salespeople from the top floor. Right. She cannot believe how stupid she is acting. And to be fair, we can't believe it either. Stop running down alleys like a crazy person. She hears footsteps and just assumes someone's chasing her. It's all about Reva yet again. So she gets in the car. She's giving herself a little pep talk. And she says to herself, I'm Reva Dalby. And I'm not afraid of anything. And she drives home. She heads for North Hills, which is the rich neighborhood of Shadyside, and she's driving for a while when she notices a beat-up Plymouth behind her is following her. She quickly dismisses this. She's just freaked herself out in the alley, but after taking many turns and even a shortcut, she decides that whoever is back there is for sure matching her turn for turn. And getting to the house won't really help, see, because with Michael and St. Croix, the house will be totally empty. But again, who would be following her? And now we switch back to Press. Remember Press with his sneer? Mm. I wish I could forget him. I know. Who was, in fact, following her? Telling Diane that he followed her all the way home and then he just took off. The two of them are in some like dive diner in Old Town Shadyside which I don't remember us ever hearing about, but you get the idea. It's not the main drag. It's probably kind of run down. Press says that he's been following Reva the last few days, and he knows when she'll be home alone. He says that the only problem is that there is a big guard dog, but the guard dog mostly stays on a chain in the yard, and they really only unchain him at night. So really... The guard dog shouldn't be an issue as long as they take her in the morning. Because they're still thinking that they're going to be millionaires by kidnapping Reva. Diane and Press dream about all they will do with all that million dollars. And Diane says she wants to go and see every movie in town five times. And Press is just excited to not have to worry about where his next meal is coming from. But they both decide that they should definitely kidnap Reba in the morning after Mr. Dalvey leaves for work. 
They're only going to ask for – they're asking for a million dollars. That's what they're asking One for. million dollars. And it is – part of me thinks that teenagers are, are that stupid. And, like, maybe it did used to be more money than it is. But, like, mm-hmm. the things well, was, that well, they this think – This is $90 million. So what's inflation, right? Uh, I'd have to calculate it. I don't have my phone. Okay, so roughly it would be close. It would be $1,897,456 today. All right, so keep that in mind because as we go through, they keep dreaming about all the things they're going to do. And as we get more players in, like the million gets cut into like more takes, but that doesn't seem to affect their dreaming about the mansions they're going to have and the eight cars they're going to own and like all the things, right? And now there's a jump and we are at the premier parking spot in Shadyside. That's right. The next scene has us in Victor's car parked on the edge of a cliff, River Ridge, that looks over all of Shadyside. And it is the best place to go parking. The night is cold and the windows are fogged. Victor had no idea when Reva called him and asked to meet him that this was going to happen, but he's not trying very hard to resist. Reva's pretty good at making out, if you'll remember. She's doing her level best to make Victor forget all about her poor cousin Pam. In Reva's mind, she's not really sorry. I mean, after all, Victor is just too good looking for a loser like Pam. Even though Victor keeps protesting that, you know, he really is serious about Pam, right before he goes back to swallowing Reva's face. So, yeah. And then there is a sexy fade out, right? A sexy fade out. Um, So, yeah. Let your mind wander about what kids do in parked cars. Um, (laughs) They play video games. Just keep your shoes on. Just keep your shoes on, okay? Like, that's... You have to. Like, I... Listen... (laughs) Maybe maybe a friend of mine in, in, in high school got caught parking more than once by the cops. And maybe one time one of those cops was like, we can't arrest you if you still have your shoes on. Oh so, my god. <laughs> just leave your shoes on. I wonder if that's still a thing. I don't know. I don't know if it was a thing then either. If he's probably just messing with us. I mean, my friend. Um, yeah. Oh, my friend. My friend. (laughs) Anyways. That's not the point. The next morning, uh, Diane and Press are parked three houses down from Reva's house. They watch Mr. Dalby pull out and head to work and decide to wait ten whole minutes before going in to kidnap Reva. All right. So set the scene, right? We've got some action, music playing, This is a serious crime that's about to go down. 
Diane moves up a little bit and parks on the curb in front of Reva's house and she keeps the car running. While Press gets out, heads up the driveway, where he is met by the huge Doberman, who is in fact not chained up. But it's okay because you know what? Press is ready for him. He reaches into his pocket, he pulls out a handful of bacon. Ew, in your pocket? Really, Press? And he tosses the bacon on the grass. What did he toss on the grass? Bacon? He pulls a handful of bacon out of his pants pocket. Okay. Like, just that's what we do. We just carry bacon around in our pocket. Like, I hope he cooled it off before he, like, shoved it in his jeans. Um, <laughs> I digress. So he tosses the bacon out. He thinks the dog's going to go All straight for it. is the office, so. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so he thinks the dog's gonna go straight after the bacon. Um, but you understand, this is a trained badass guard dog. The dog doesn't even flinch, okay? Instead, he pulls his teeth back and he latches onto Press's arm. Press struggles with the dog and he ends up pulling out a handkerchief that is soaked in chloroform. We don't know where he got the chloroform, just go with it. Which quickly subdues the dog and he also has a small pistol with him that he figures he could have used on the dog, but that would have been loud. And he needs to be stealthy. He's a master criminal after all. He's going to be a millionaire. He goes in He's through the garage. With bacon in his pocket. With bacon in your pocket. Step number one, bacon in pocket. So he goes in through the garage. He breaks a window in the door to the kitchen to get inside the house. And instead of, like, being focused, he can't help but, like, notice how nice the house is. Like, he's looking at all this stuff. He can't believe that, like, they have two refrigerators. Who has two refrigerators? The Dalbys. That's who. (laughs) The house is quiet, which he expected. And he's pretty sure that he and Reva are the only ones there. But really, Press is impressed with himself. Like, he cannot believe how easy this is. So he grips the pistol and he heads up the stairs. And while this is going on, we keep cutting back to Diane out in the car. This is not the age of cell phones. There's no cell phone. So it's not like she can text him and be like, hurry the fuck up. What are you doing? So she just has to sit out there on the curb, like freaking herself out. Like she's just waiting for it to be over. Then we go back to Press, creeping through the house and admiring all the stuff in it again. Focus, Press! We're committing a crime. He's -hmm. thinking about how many pinball machines he's going to buy with his million dollars. Pinball machines. Yeah, pinball machines. Yeah, he's going to buy it with a million dollars. It's worth the felony, okay? Pinball machines are awesome. You could get one that you wouldn't have to put a quarter in. (laughs) Or in this day and age, it's like $1.25. So then we go back out to the Diane in the car, who was wondering what the hell is taking press so long. I think I know, Diane. And she starts to panic because she can hear police sirens in the distance. And they seem to be getting closer. Oh, Diane has a decision to make. I mean, she doesn't want to leave him. But at the end of the day, Diana's going to take care of Diane, right? 
Inside, Press finds Reva's room, and he goes up to her bed, and he yells, Good morning! Only to find that the bed is empty. Reva's not there, Danielle. No one is there, and now he can hear sirens in the distance. And it takes a few minutes for the pieces to click together, but he does realize that Reva must have gone into work with her dad and when he broke the window he set off some kind of silent alarm and when he runs out of the house to the car Diane floors it and they just get away because they remembered where the getaway car was this time I guess but not like he <laughs> They're going to pull up while he's checking out the house and all the cool stuff. <laughs> in it. So now we go back to the perfume counter. Reva is thinking about how disgusting the other girl who works at the counter is. Her name is Francine and Francine's trying to tell Reva about, uh, you know, what promotion they're running for the day. But all Reva can think about is how bad Francine looks. Right? Like, she's doing it in her head. She's not saying it to her face. So I guess that's an improvement. Mostly, Reva's just really bored. She begins to replay the night before, though, in Victor's car. <laughs> and his forehead and ponytail. Don't forget the ponytail, Diane. It's very <laughs> She's interrupted by a woman who's wearing this, like, fake fur jacket. And I guess this is hilarious. I've never heard of this. So this woman comes in every day to the shop to be sprayed with perfume samples so she can have perfume for free. Like, she never buys a bottle. She just stops at the store on her way to work. I've never heard of, of someone, like, ripping off samples on the daily. But I guess that's yeah. what this lady does. So, of course, she's rude to her or whatever. So Reva gets bored. She decides that fake fur coat lady isn't even worth it today. She decides to go over and say hi to Pam, right? Pam is telling her all about going on a date with Victor tonight and how she thinks she might really be in love with him. Reva keeps a straight face, but inside she loves the intrigue. She's all about it. She tells Pam that she's really happy for her. And at one point, Pam even suggests that Reva get to know Victor more. You know, they could be friends. And Reva's like, yeah, I should. It's very evil. Very evil, Reva. Mm -hmm. Pam is completely clueless. And Reva's just playing with Pam and her boyfriend because she's bored. Switch back to Diane and Press. It's nighttime now. And they have decided that Reva might get home before her dad. And that they'll be ready to surprise her and kidnap her when she does, right? These criminal masterminds were so disappointed after their failed attempt at the morning that they've decided to try again that night. But as they pull up to the Dalby mansion, they see that there's already two cops in the driveway with their lights on. Spooked by the cops, Diane just tries to ride by the house all natural-like. But one of the cops stops the car and tells her to pull over. Of course, Diane starts, like, yelling in the car about how they were caught. Caught! And it's all over now. It's curtains. Curtains for everyone. They're going to go to prison. Prison, I tell you. But she puts on the brave face. 
and she rolls down the window. It's a crank window. <laughs> it's a crank, a yeah. Prank. And I was like, a crank no, no. window? A prank window? It's, it's a, a crank. It's like like, like what used way. to be the prop officer? And the cop just tells her she has a taillight on. Oh, gosh. I can't remember the last time I saw a car with crank windows. So when I first met my boyfriend, he had an older truck and his it was a hand one. And my mom's car is old and it is a hand one. And it's very annoying. <laughs> Golly, I can't. I truly cannot remember the last time I worked a crank crank window. Uh, probably when I used to set to uh, rent cars. So it's probably been 15 years. A headlight out. He lets them go. Driving away, our bullshit Bonnie and Clyde decide that now it will be impossible for them to take her from the house. No, they're going to have to kidnap Riva from the store. The perfume counter is pretty close to where there's an outside door to the alley. They'll create some kind of diversion to get Riva to come out from behind the counter. And when everyone's attention is elsewhere, they're going to grab her and take her out the side door to the waiting getaway car. Where they will drive off, ransom her, be rich, buy pinball machines, go to movies, and live (laughs) happily ever after. It's an excellent plan, I feel. Big dreams. Big dreams. Big dreams. They got plans. I'll give them that. One problem, though. If Diana's creating the distraction and Press is going to grab Riva to pull her out of the store, who's driving the getaway car? The car is a problem. It's a problem. So Diane is helpful. She says that they need to bring in Danny, who is Press's older brother, to drive the getaway car. Press is not excited about that. Danny is a little bit psychotic. Like he gets headaches and he often loses control. He can be violent. Press thinks that bringing Danny in on the job is kind of a mistake, but Diane insists that they need someone to drive the getaway car and makes a pro- makes press promise to call Danny as soon as they get back to the apartment. They decide that there's no time to waste. It's almost Christmas after all. And they have to have this dream of Turkey and presents bought with millions of dollars of stolen money. So, (laughs) tomorrow. Let's do this tomorrow morning. That'll be attempt number three, in case anyone is counting. (laughs) And and the title title of chapter 12 is Counterattack. Get it? Counter. How many chapters are there? <laughs> a lot. Way more than there should be. If you look at this strictly as comedy and not as horror, this is a funny book. If you're expecting it to be scary at all, you're probably pretty disappointed. Yeah, and this is really a weird vibe. Like <laughs> It is. It is. Okay. I know we are not supposed to like Reva, right? We've talked about this. She's a bitch. She's more edgy. She's sharper in this book. In book one, she's evil, but it's in like the kind of pretty popular girl kind of a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, this book, she's darker. She's more, she's more deadpan. And yes, she's being an ass, but it's a little bit funny, okay? She has this exchange <laughs> with Francine, who is the other girl who works at the counter, about Riva being late. And the whole time Francine is bitching at her, she's like deadpanning and like eating this muffin and like getting crumbs everywhere and making a mess. Um, Lovely. Yeah, she's giving like one word smartass answers and it's shitty. She's shitty, but like, I have to say, <laughs> dark, dark Riva is more fun. But it's not too long before she gets bored from not doing any work at the perfume counter and she decides that she's gonna go slip off and pull Victor into a closet somewhere. And she <laughs> sees a teen girl and a boy heading for the perfume counter. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so out of nowhere, the girl dramatically falls on the floor and the boy that she's with kind of jumps back and looks very surprised. And Riva pretends not to see them at all. In fact, she turns around and faces the other direction and leans back oh on the counter. God. And there's like a beat where nobody says anything. And then the girl starts yelling, my contact. I lost my contact. Help me. I can't <laughs> see a thing. And <laughs> Riva is still facing the other way. She takes a long sip of her coffee, glances over her shoulder down at the girl on the floor on the other side of the counter and just stares at her. And the boy steps up to the counter and asks Riva to help her. You know, he doesn't have his glasses on him, so he's just as blind as she is. And Riva just takes another drink of her coffee and stares at him wow. over the top of the cup <laughs> before telling him that she's on her break. The boy seems to get frustrated and he grabs Reva and he starts like pulling her from behind the counter towards the exit. Reva's like, what the fuck? And she asks him what his problem is when Miss Smith shows up to save the day, asking what's happening. And just in that moment, the blonde girl pops up from the floor announcing that, oh, she found her contact uh, that, you know, she was just looking for. And then she grabs the boy by the hand and they scuffle off out of the store. Out in the getaway car, Danny, who is Prez's older brother, gets the two of them safely away. And the first thing that we get out of Danny's mouth in this whole book is, we should just kill her. Diane and Press remind him that if they kill her, they won't get any money for the ransom, and that's kind of the whole point of all of this. But Danny is just ready for her to die, right? Like, she's bested them twice. Actually, it's three times, Danny. And uh, she needs to be taught a lesson. But no, no. Let's count on Diane. Diane has a new plan. Okay, number four. Now, Riva has seen both 
Yeah, she's saying that Reba has seen both her and Press. They won't be able to get close to her again. But she hasn't seen Danny. And they decide that Danny could hide in the stockroom store and just kind of grab her and pull her out of there when no one's looking. Good plan. Um, but, you know, Danny's, Danny's no chump. He's going to want more than the 5000 that they promised him for today. After all, Diane and Prez are going to be millionaires after this. Right? So he wants his cut. An equal share. Whatever they get for the ransom, they split three ways. But if she messes with him, he will just kill her. Like you do. That night, Pam calls up Reva, and Pam is so upset because Victor called Pam, and he broke their date for the night, and he said that he had to watch his younger brother, but then when Pam went to his house, he wasn't there. Um, And Reva's like, you know, what can I say, Pam? Like, Victor's just really good looking. You have to watch out for those really good looking guys. They always go wandering. Anyway, so have fun with that, you know, and she kind of hangs up with Pam. She goes back to the couch where she rejoins Victor. Victor asks, who was that on the phone? And Reva says that, oh, you know, it was just a friend. And the making out resumes. Reba is a happy bunny. She's all wrapped up in Victor's arms. She's high on Pam's tears and warm and festive by the crackling fire in the large living room of the Dalby mansion. Meanwhile, in the shitty part of Waynesbridge, Diane is beside herself. You see, Press got into a fight. Press got arrested. And no one has any money to bail him out. So she calls Danny, crazy, violent, unpredictable Danny, and explains the situation and that, you know, it'll just have to be the two of them now. They'll go ahead with the plan for Danny to hide in the stockroom and drag Reva out to the car that Diane will then drive away. They will ransom her, get rich, and Press will get out of jail all in time to have a merry freaking christmas of course so the next day they drive to dalby's and i have lost count what attempt is this number four number four i, I thought think. you said four so either we're at four okay. or five i think this is four it's like a cartoon right like when did diane become wily e. coyote i just don't understand like it's it never ends. So Diane's parked out by the loading docks. She's freaking out yet again. She wants to be this big time criminal, but she can't do very much other than sit in the car and not freak out. And she's not really capable of that. So she's in the loading dock and this cop pulls up and gets out and like taps on her window. And he's like, hey, you can't park here. It's a loading dock. 
She's like, yeah, but I'm waiting on, you know, my dad to come out of the store. He's really old. Like, I just thought it'd be better for him to not have to walk. And the cop's like, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to move your car. She's like, yeah, okay. So she's trying to think of a new excuse when behind her in the parking lot, there's like an accident. Like you can hear, like two cars have just hit each other. So the cop has to kind of go off to help these other two cars. And he's like, listen, just move your car. Meanwhile, Danny has hidden himself in the stock room and he's waiting for Reva to show up so he can uh, grab her and pull her out of there. He's brought this like big woolen coat that he's literally gonna toss over her head, Scooby-Doo style. And then ever so smoothly and inconspicuously drag her kicking and screaming from the store without anyone noticing. So he's waiting for Reva. He's getting more pissed that she's taking a long time. He starts to get a headache and it's like a bad, like a migraine. Like, I get it. I don't have migraines, but I know. And apparently it's super duper painful for him. Finally, Reva walks into the storeroom. He throws the coat over her, drags her out to the car, puts her in the back seat. He and Diane speed away. They're so, so proud of themselves. They go back to Diane's apartment. I'm sorry, I have to get a cough drop or I'm gonna die. Hang on. Oh no. So we have thrown a coat over Reva and dragged her kicking and screaming out of the store without being caught. Good for us. Reva to the bedroom. He ties her up. He blindfolds her. He gags her. And a full day later, they decided it's time to call Mr. Dalby. They wanted him to sweat. They wanted him to be worried about his daughter by the time that they got their ransom call in. So Diane asked Danny if, you know, is he sure that he tied her up good? And Danny says, yeah, yeah, she's tied up good. And Diane starts talking about the, the mansion that she's going to buy with her cut of $1 million. And she's going to have a maid and a chauffeur for the rest of her life. Uh, okay. Danny has more reasonable goals. Uh, he's getting a tattoo. Oh. So, right? Danny's the only one who's uh, understands the amount of money he's going to get. So, Diane is leaving to find a payphone because she doesn't want the call to be traced back to the apartment. So, she heads to the Division Street Mall to find a phone. Meanwhile, on the rich side of town, Mr. Dalby is sitting by the fire with a classy drink in his hand and the Wall Street Journal. When the phone rings, the young lady on the other side explains that she has his daughter. She's okay, but it will take one million dollars to get her back. Mr. Dalby is silent for a moment and then he says... No, you don't. Reva's sitting right here with me. Diana's in shock. 
She asks him to repeat what he's just said, and Mr. Dalvey said that he and Reva are both there, and they're listening closely to see if they've heard this voice before, and or they can identify where the call is coming from. Diane might have pooped herself. Not sure. <laughs> but she presses on. She says, hey, you know, don't play games with me, Mr. Dalby. And Mr. Dalby says, why don't you let that girl go? Okay, Danielle. So who did they get instead of Reva? Was it that girl from earlier? Maybe? Nope. I have no idea. Pam has been struggling against her restraints for the last 24 hours. And she's had a lot of time to think. She has no idea who took her or where she was, but she's put together that they must have been after Reva. Fucking Reva. Pam could hear her abductors arguing in the next room yelling at each other about grabbing the wrong girl, and they decide to go and see who they did get. Unfortunately, when Pam tells them that, yes, she is a Dalby, she's Reva's cousin, they are not close, and their families aren't close, and they really shouldn't expect Mr. Dalby to pay a dime to get her back. And I have here, okay, so clearly this is the Three Stooges do kidnapping on Fear Street. Um, Totally. How would you do it? If you wanted to kidnap Reva, how would you do it? I have no idea. I've never thought about it. To get away with it. To do it and get away with it. I would hire somebody else. <laughs> Honestly, I would like hire a professional because I know I couldn't pull it off. I have too many trust issues. I think I would have to do it myself. And I think I would have to be I think it would have to be a con in some way. Like you'd have to get her somewhere. Yeah. Instead of like trying to just you know grab her, get her. Yeah, I think you'd have, um, yeah you'd have to like yeah get her somewhere that kind of isolated you know kind of a thing. Yeah, like drug her or knock her out or something like yeah. Well, so now we're back at the Dalby Mansion. Riva is on the phone with Victor, and he's feeling very guilty because. He was literally sucking Reva's face when Pam was at the store getting kidnapped. Victor asked Reva if she thinks her dad will pay the ransom, and Reva's like, no. Her dad has some very strict morals regarding ransoms. He does not pay ransoms because all it does is encourage other kidnappers. So she's talking to Victor on the phone and she hears this car pull up to the house so she goes and looks down the window and she hears a car door slam and the car takes off out the driveway but they've left something in the driveway so she tells Victor she'll talk to him later she hangs up with him she goes outside and finds Pam's body 
in the driveway. Reva thought she was dead at first, but then Pam started to move. She's untying her and asking her how she got away. And Pam says that there was a big fight among the kidnappers about what to do with her. And Pam starts sobbing and she falls into Reva's arms and she explains that the guy kidnapper really wanted to kill her, but the girl didn't. And at the end, they decided to straight up like dump Pam on the lawn. And that was the best way to get her back to her family. And Reva's like, well, at least you know what they look like. We can go to the police. And Pam's like, no, no, no. They are long gone by now. In fact, she heard them talking about going to Canada to stay with a friend. So don't even worry about it, Reva. They are long gone. Okay? Okay? Don't pursue. Later that week, we're back with Reva, and she is living in Christmas retail hell. The store is full of frantic Christmas shoppers, and there's happy Christmas music playing on the loudspeaker. She starts to look around the store, and she's already gotten a gift card for her dad, but she's looking for something maybe for Pam. Pam's been through a lot. Like, maybe she should get Pam a gift. When she notices a strange-looking man staring at her. And she's correct. No. No. Do you remember that Spy v. Spy cartoon? They're like little bird-looking things with yeah, like yeah, trench yeah. One coats. One with white and one with black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have mm-hmm. trench coats and fedora hats. Okay, that's that's the dude in the store that's looking at Reva. Full on like sunglasses, hat, and trench coat, right? Like you do inside a store in the middle of Christmas. And she's like, huh, weird. And she keeps shopping. (laughs) That afternoon, Reva is being a bitch to everyone in cosmetics again when Pam walks in. Now she's surprised to see Pam because Pam's just been through a lot, but Pam needs the money. Pam lives on Fear Street. She can't afford to be sad for very long. In fact, she's invited Reva over to her house that night. They're going to trim the tree. Should be festive. Should be fun. Reva doesn't have anything better to do, so she's like, sure, Pam, I'll come to your house. And, you know, she did end up finding her a little gift or whatever. And Pam's excited. Great. Things are starting to turn around for Pam. It's going to get better from here on out. On the drive over to Pam's house that night, Reva thinks about how she's always shocked to drive down Fear Street. She never really comes to this part of town, and the old gnarled trees are thick in the front of rows of rundown houses. There's something about this street. There's just... There's no light. No sunlight from the thick tree branches overhead. But even at night, the street lamps, they just... They seem dimmer. It had rained all day, and she drove slowly past the old, burnt-out Fear Mansion. And down a few more houses, she pulled into Pam's driveway. She grabbed the gift she had found for her, and she got out of the car. Only to be grabbed from behind and wrapped in a wool blanket before she could see her attacker. 
She could hear Pam scream, stop and help, help. But she and Pam were being thrown into the back of the car. One slip of the corner of the blanket showed that it was an older model Plymouth she was climbing into. Now, Pam is really yelling at the captors, right? She's all, no, and you won't get away with this. Blah, 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 right? Reva's very quiet. She's taking in everything she can about her surroundings. She's ready to like, she, there's not a doubt in her mind that she's going to get out of this. So she wants to make sure that she can identify the people who have done this to her, right? She's more pissed than anything. They drive off and they drive for about 15 minutes. Eventually they park the car and the girls are pulled from the back. And Riva is just kind of like stumbling along, right? She's still under this blanket. She can't really see around her. She can just see her feet. They go across the threshold and across some tile. And immediately, Riva knows where they are. She recognizes the smell of the store and the sound of silent night playing over the loudspeakers. The kidnappers had taken them back to Dalby's department store. Up they go in an elevator. The girls are dragged. And at some point, Reva announces she knows that they're at her dad's store. Okay, Reva. And so they figure, well, she knows where she's at. It's not much uh, sense in keeping this blanket over her. And they take the blanket off so she can see her surroundings. And her kidnappers. Pam is trying, is crying next to her. She's a little bit beat up, but mostly she's, Riva is taking in these three people who have kidnapped the two of them. She immediately notes Diane's buck teeth and presses, quote, trashy good looks. And the fact that Danny is fat. She and Pam are pushed into some kind of a storage closet that has dust on all the shelves. And she can tell that this room hasn't really been used for a long time. I mean, it's a big store. Like, maybe they just don't ever put anything in here. She has determined from the length of the ride on the elevator that they are on the fifth floor, which is the children's floor of Dalby's department store. This is where they have the Santa's village set up. Not unlike your department store that you used to go to. Although this wasn't an international tour. It's like, you know, there's like cardboard cutouts of houses and candy canes and fake snow everywhere and, you know, fake reindeer. Mm-hmm. They've made a display, right? And this is the photo op yeah. area where Santa gets pictures, all the things. Rita's more annoyed than anything, really. These, these fuckers, these, these are the guys that have kidnapped her. And she's complaining that her restraints on her wrists are too tight. She's like, listen, you could at the very least just loosen these restraints. They're too tight. Danny, who is our resident psychopath, very calmly walks over to Reva, grabs a hold of her arm, and breaks it. An audible snap. She's in the kind of pain that like, 
your soul leaves your body for a second and you don't realize what's happening and then it slowly comes back to you. And as the pain actually registers, Riva just passes out. Like she cannot. When she comes to again, Pam is asking her if she's all right. And Diane and Press are talking about how they never should have brought Danny in on this. They knew he was a little bit crazy. Danny is sulking. He's like, I already said I'm sorry. She's fine. She's alive. Whatever. But then he goes on to say they really should just kill them. Because now they've seen their faces. And because they're stupid, they've said each other's names a number of times in front of them. Riva is clearly thinking the same thing. And she asks them point blank, like, what are they planning on doing with her and Pam once they have the money? Diane says, we'll just leave you here in the closet, tied up and gagged. Don't worry. Someone will probably find you in a day or two. Danny, who is now like waving a gun around, I guess he pulled a gun from somewhere, <laughs> says that they really should just kill them. Like it's the smartest thing to do. Um. Diane is not arguing about it anymore. She leaves to go make another ransom call to Mr. Dalby. And the boys leave as well. And as they start to close the door, Pam shouts, Hey, you can't leave me in here. We had a deal. Untie me. And as you probably already guessed, Pam is in on it. But the boys don't untie her. They kind of like huddle together and they start talking in whispered voices. They're trying to decide what to do. And this is a like giving Riva a chance to be like, what the fuck, Pam? And Pam's all, yeah, you know, I made a deal with them. They let me go, but then I had to help them get you instead. And Reva's like, I'm your cousin. How dare you? And Pam's like, well, I hate you because I know you're like trying to steal my boyfriend again. And Reva's like, yeah, but like cousins, this is just like fuck boy. Like who cares about Victor? Like we're supposed to be family. So they're sitting there and they're literally yelling at each other why these boys decide if they're going to keep their bargain with Pam or not. What do you think, Danielle? Are they going to let Pam go? I feel like they have to. It'd be too dark if they didn't. They decide not to let Pam go after all. Which sends Pam into hysterics. She yells and says that she won't be, like, she's not going to stop yelling until they untie her, like they promised. So Danny goes over there and bitch slaps her. Hard. Like, the back of his hand, right across her face, it, it knocks the wind out of her. But she's more or less okay, right? But now they're both injured. And I guess once you're both injured in a kidnap situation... All is forgotten and forgiven because they start crying and telling each other how they're sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry now that you've gotten hit in the face. That's all I needed to see. Um, <laughs> didn't we all? Diane comes back to the door and she tells them that Dalby is going to drop the money and that very soon... 
They're all going to be rich by your rain. And the three of them close the closet door and have a criminal huddle just outside of it. So. <laughs> a criminal huddle is a technical term. They're like, they're like, we don't want to talk in front of them. Let's go to the other side of this very thin door. So Pam can hear pretty much everything they're saying. She knows Danny really wants to kill them because then it would leave no witnesses. And she's trying to figure out, like, if the other two are going to convince him to let it drop or not. But Reva's like, no, we need a plan. Like, let's just figure out how to get out of here. And Pam is not tied up very tightly. In fact, she's tied up pretty loosely. She's not sure if it's because they thought she was going to be a part of the plan or what the deal is. But she's able to, like, wiggle out of her restraints. And then she's able to get Reva's restraints untied. And they decide what they're going to do is when the kidnappers open the door, they're going to push past them and run and hide out in the Santa village in the store. Because there's, like, a lot of toy displays, a lot of places for them to hide and try to find, like, a security guard. So that they can, you know, be rescued or whatever. They're pretty sure that, like, their attackers aren't going to expect them to come running out of the door. So they should be able to, like, run right past them. And it does work uh, for the most part. Press opens the door and he's not expecting them to run out. So he kind of freezes for a minute. Um, and the girls take off to go hide in the Santa village. But the problem is, like, Pam's face is swollen. Like, her eye is pretty swollen. And Reva's arm is literally, it's been, like, broken in two. Like a, is that a compound fracture, or does it have to be protruding from your skin to be compound? I thought compound was what you thought, not out of your skin. Like, just broken in two. Do you know how strong you would have to be to break a human bone in two pieces? Yeah. Like a, a healthy human bone? No, yeah, it's nuts. But the kidnappers have gone like, oh shit, time to pursue. So they're getting close. So Reva yells at Pam for them to split up. Um, so this part is kind of confusing. So the girls, they run and hide. You know, there's there's much pursuit. Think, think gremlins, right? Remember that scene in Gremlins where they're like running all over the store trying to find little fucker? It's kind of like that. There's multiple, like, little things where it's like, oh, I hid behind this mannequin. Or like, oh, I, you know, all the things. So we don't need to go yeah, into detail about that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it ends up with them going towards the elevators. And Reva has this idea. Because remember, the employee elevators were broken. So she pushes the call button on the elevator. And then she pulls Pam behind, like, a pillar hoping that they'll think they got on the elevator and then, like, try to pursue them by getting on the elevator after them. But, unfortunately, while our kidnappers are stupid, they're not that stupid. So they come to the elevator. They know that they didn't have time to get on the elevator and go down. So they turn around and they decide that they've got to be still hiding in the Santa Village. So, Press, Diane, Danny... I'll go back to start looking for them again. When the two girls are kind of hiding behind this pillar right by the elevators. 
And when they feel like they're far enough away, Pam comes out from behind the pillar and she calls the elevator again. They're just like goofing around the store. I, I mean, kind of. So the elevator comes up, but you know, I mean, everybody knows how fast an elevator moves, right? And how fast the doors open and how fast the doors close. Like it's, it's highly unlikely that this shit is going to work, but apparently like that's all they can do. Right. And when the doors open, press and Diane can see that they're opening. So they start running after the two of them about to get in the elevator. But as they're stepping onto the elevator, they see the trench coat guy, the spy v spy guy, blocking their way. He's like standing in the elevator when it opens and he pulls a gun and he says, stop right there. And it takes Pam and Reva a moment to realize he's pointing the gun behind them at Press and Diane. You with me? Uh, yes. <laughs> and then he yells, FBI! FBI? <laughs> no, it isn't. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not with you anymore. Because I'm like, wait, what? FBI. No, no, you're no, it's not you. It's not you. It's it's Stein. <laughs> this like one character that we saw for five seconds um has now come back at the very climax of the action and is an FBI agent. Uh, apparently. And Press and Diane make a run for it, right? So Trenchcoat Guy takes off after them. And there's like lots of happy tears and lots of hugging with Pam and Reva. Oh, it's over. They're saved. Everything is great. Until Danny comes around a corner, still holding his gun. And he says, you two are coming with me. So he calls the elevator again. And as they're waiting for the elevator doors to open a second time, Pam decides she's going to go for the gun. There's a struggle, right? Like after much wrestling and rolling around, the gun gets like knocked out of somebody's hand. It goes skittering across the floor. Danny says, fine, keep it. And he's like, I'm not staying here. And the elevator doors open and he jumps into the elevator. And he screams all the way down to the basement floor where his body lands with a liquid thump. And then Danny doesn't scream anymore. Well, yeah, he's liquefied. <laughs> right? <laughs> or whatever he is now. A block. So I guess he... <laughs> didn't get the elevators fixed after all that's gonna be a big insurance problem or whatever right? is that covered by the store's insurance so more People FBI agents arrive now that our we are no longer in danger like backup arrives mm -hmm. 
And Trenchcoat Guy comes back through the Santa Village. He's apprehended Press and Diane. He hands them off to the other agents to be taken away to Azkaban or wherever the fuck they need to go. <laughs> and he tells the girls, you know, you guys are hurt. Like, I need to drive you to the hospital. And they're like, okay, great, cool. Especially Reva, whose mm. arm is pretty much just like dangling. Ew. Right? It's pretty gross. Um, so he's driving the car and he tells the girls... Their parents have been informed. They're going to meet them at the hospital. But in the car, like, there's one thing that Reva has bothering her. How does a trench coat guy know where to find them? Trench coat guy says that a few months ago, the Dalbys had, quote, a number revealer placed on their home phone in the mansion. We know it as caller ID. Amazing. And when Diane went to call for the ransom, she used the store phone. So they knew. And by the way, Stein never says caller ID. He says a number, number revealer. Because um, caller ID. You know ID what? Wasn't. I wonder if it's because caller ID might be trademarked. Oh yeah, probably. Probably. I think it is, honestly. Because I think when you used to buy the little machine, like, because we're 100 years old, it was a little machine. How I remember it, my fancy friends that had it at their house, it was a separate little, like, thing that was connected to your phone, right? It was like a yeah, little box. Yeah, it's like a box. Something. It's a box. And you could scroll back and yeah. forth through the numbers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it said either caller ID or something like that. And it's either trademarked or copyrighted. So he probably can't, um, my, probably didn't want to cause it's pay. I think later in life, my parents had it. It would pop up on their TV. On the TV. Yeah. If a call came it's into the house, the caller ID would pop up on the TV. Like it would be a little like That's crazy like, at the bottom. Uh, by the way, I'm going backwards, but I looked it up and you were right in the first place that the compound fracture is when there is an open wound or a break in the skin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, but like he snapped her arm in twain. In twain! Um, so yeah, so they arrive at the hospital. Everybody is treated. Mr. Dalby is there. There's reunions. Reva goes up to the to the nurse's station. And she's disgusted to find that playing on the radio, of course, is Silent Night. And that's how it ends. Wow. I did not (laughs) expect the FBI or World's Dumbest Criminals to come in to play here. Such a comedy of errors. Like... Oh my god. Uh-oh. It's literally world's dumbest criminals. It's world's dumbest criminals. Well, and it's like we weren't even getting a little bit of horror. Like not even nothing not at all. I mean, in the first one we had dead bodies, we had bottles of blood, we had all kinds of creepy shit happening. We had real threats. We built this like whole 
side cast of characters that could have been like suspects but no mm -hmm. it's literally like the three stooges kidnap Riva Dalby book I don't Crazy. know and Danny died I guess we did get one death we did get one death but there was a lot of that like uh freak or not freak out but um psych out type stuff happening right like mm -hmm. famous for that at the end of a chapter but like you know the letter opener you know there's like a couple of times where oh Pam's dead at the driveway but she's not dead like but in the end we only got one dead body and it was it was Danny so yeah I'm disappointed in the body count and this all happens over like a three day period I think something like that. That's a lot. That's a very short amount of time. I'm also disappointed in the attack dog because I feel like he should have tried to take Press's face off like the second he stepped in the driveway. <laughs> I know. I feel right? like it was a ruse, like the sand lot, where you're like, it's so scary, and then he's not scary. <laughs> right? The beast. And, you know, we did not have any kind of, like, revelation by Reva at the end of this one. No. Like, no. yeah, there was that moment where they were, like, crying and telling each other they were sorry and all that. But, like, we did not get the whole introspective, like, this is no. why I'm a bitch. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. None of that we happened. We have part three, right? There is a part three. There is a part three. So if that's the end, I bet if she's going to have revelation, that it will be in part three. I mean, I guess. Or let's just Wild. kill her. Right? I'm with yeah, Danny. I mean, those are your two options. It'll either be she reforms or something, you know, has a revelation, or she's dead in part three. You know? I mean, I guess. I would like her to be killed off, like, right away. And then yeah. we build that the story around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I am kind of disappointed. At least we had so much imagery in the first book. Mm -hmm. Of like that creepy giant amazing department store like that was enough for me like I was transported yeah. I was there I was back in the mall days of like the big circular racks of clothes and the you know the, the mm -hmm. men's department that always smelled like dudes like and leather <laughs> and yeah you know this one was kind just, of a dead honestly it really kind of was, it was like it was, was funny. funny it was funny Mm -hmm. but it was filler yeah yes it was filler I think Silent Night was successful as one of the first like super chiller books and he mm -hmm. wanted a sequel yeah and a threequel whatever they call it <laughs> well, but maybe three will be better because remember when we read the, yeah. the Haunted House one like two was kind of a dud in that one too three but three was better, better. Mm -hmm. yeah this is true. This is true. Yeah, there is better. Okay. Well, it was a journey. <laughs> it was a journey. And we want to know what you thought. And so, <laughs> Diane, do you want to tell them what we were thinking about for Who's our Diane? Facebook? Diane. Who is Diane? Ah, Danielle. <laughs> Danielle, would you like to tell the people uh, what we were thinking about with the Facebook group? Oh, yeah. 
Diane is not here right now, but yeah, Danielle Diana. will tell you. Diane's <laughs> in the pokey. <laughs> yeah, so we're hoping in the new year to do better with our social media. We, we acknowledge that we need to be better about it. But, you know, it's a podcast is an interesting thing to kind of be on social media about. But we know we have our group on Facebook. So what we're yeah. thinking of doing is actually instead of having it be a page, which it is right now, we would turn it into a group. So that way, you know, you all who listen to us or, you know, are in the are on the page right now can start, you know, sharing things that are either goosebumps or fear street adjacent or somewhat relevant to the podcast or the book world or, you know, silly things and keep it on theme as much as possible. You know, I know we talk about horror and other things too, so I'm sure we'd be fine, you know, with those kind of posts as well. But yeah, that's what we're thinking about doing for the new year and then get you guys involved. And if we have, you know, questions or we can do polls or who knows what, but 2023, big things will happen for the social yeah, media. I, we're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try. You can do mm-hmm. more in a group, I think, uh, with like, yes, mm-hmm. really. So we're thinking about that. And, you know, we, we enjoy having everybody follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're not entirely sure what the future holds for those platforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we may see ourselves moving away, um, especially Twitter, which kind of sucks because there's 5,000 of you yeah. over on Twitter. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'd- figure we keep everything up and running until it's like we have to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I don't really yeah, want us in like a, a 4chan environment. No. Um, and if it if it goes there, then we might have to say, okay, sorry, we're old. I mean, that's on brand for us. We're old. Like, everybody come over to we're Facebook. Old. That's where we're hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Facebook's having, as much as Facebook has its downs and it's not so great, it's having a little bit of a renaissance right now with groups because so. people are – you know, don't have Twitter, don't have whatever. So that, you know, communication factor is kind of lost. So at least group pages are doing well on Facebook right now. And I've been trying out another social media. I forgot what it's called now because I haven't really been using it called Hive. And that I've shared some snacks with science stuff on there because I follow some book people and some art people and People are giving it a try from the Instagram because it's sort of like an Instagram meets Twitter hybrid where you can post just static images and then also have polls and things and all that jazzmatazz. So, but it's very new and I don't really understand it all, but I'm giving it a try. <laughs> so we'll see. That's interesting. And before mm-hmm. someone suggests it, we are not, we are just not involved enough for Discord. Like, we just don't... No. We would never be on there, you guys. Like, we just don't have the time. So, Discord's yeah, probably Discord not going to Discord is happen. just... Yeah. Yeah. That is... That would be too much. <laughs> too yeah. much work, unfortunately, for us. But we're going to see what we can do and try to get more involved on social media next year. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so look out for that. Like, if you see a, a group invite from us, um, go ahead and join. Come on over. Um, but it is late. It is almost Christmas. Um, <laughs> do we know? Have you selected our next book yet, Danielle? Uh, 
I don't think so because we were kind of, I was looking for some Christmas ones. Obviously that didn't happen. So I don't have one right now. I'm going to, I'll go through my stash that I've got and see and we'll just start the new year maybe with something super random. I do cool. have these, I do have Slappy Beware, like the most recent one that was just came out in hardback a few months back. The newest, um, it was like the anniversary one. I do have that. So if we want to go like new school, we could go that route. We really liked the pirate one. one. We had so much fun. <laughs> Wasn't that one Slappy Be Rare? I thought it was. That was Slappy World. So it was Slappy oh. Adjacent. So oh, gosh. Slappy gotcha. Beware before we go. So if, if anyone has an opinion on Slappy Beware, is supposed to be the untold true story of the world's most villainous dummy. In the Goosebumps universe, there's no villain more feared than Slappy. Slappy has only one mission in his tiny deranged mind. Do evil every day, all day. But he may have met his match in the Carlton family. Each of Slappy's attempts to ruin their lives ends in disaster. Will Slappy's scariest day bring an end to his reign of terror? So it's sort of like sort of like beginning i guess of sloppy maybe <clears throat> well at the beginning of that blurb it sounded like origin story but by the end of it it didn't yeah so i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know either <laughs> well we'll figure it out but it we'll figure just, it out yeah but this one just came out in 2022 so so this um, yeah so this was to be the it marked the 30th anniversary of Goosebumps, and according to this introduction by Stein, it is supposed to be how did how Slappy come to be alive, and why he's so evil, and it's sort of about the worst day of his life. So maybe, maybe we'll go with this one, but we'll see. Yeah, I'll yes, give it indeed. some thoughts. Give it some thoughts. <laughs> so watch the Facebook group, watch the Twitters. Like any changes that we make, we'll we'll post it just everywhere, so you know what's mm -hmm. going on and what's going, what's happening. Um, yep. We're excited for year three. Uh, it's another year. Unreal. <laughs> um, for Snacks with Stein. Uh, but until <laughs> then, we are out. Before I say your cute ending, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Nothing, Happy Everything, Happy Festivus. New Year. Festivus, all of the things. Whether you celebrate or you don't celebrate, whether it's a hard season for you or a fun season for you, yes. um, hopefully you can find some joy somewhere and do something fun or eat something good or hug a dog or a cat or a rabbit or something. And yeah, make the best of it. I know it's a weird season for everybody. So yeah, we love you all. Thanks for listening yeah. to us. And yeah, looking forward to 2023. And now here's Christy's cute goodbye. We are out, like one Christmas light on the string that makes them all go out, and you spend an hour pulling out and putting in a new one all along the strand to try and salvage it, but end up giving up and throwing them in the trash. <laughs> exactly. Bye. Bye. Bye.